Welcome to Good Christian People, an honest conversation between church leaders who recognize we're not perfect, we're barely good, but we want to be great. On today's episode, Tim takes the slow train to Babytown, I share my pride in my alma mater, and we discuss five things you should watch out for as we address bad church leadership. Welcome back to episode two of the Good Christian People podcast, or is it Good Christian People, the podcast? We had this conversation a month ago. A month? A month. Well, anyway, whatever it is, my name is Jeff. Glad you're with us and with me as always, and always means twice, is my co-host and boss, the Right Reverend Timothy James Byer. That's it. That's me. You can call me Timmy for short if you want. Short Timmy, and uh, we are so glad that you guys are back, that you have opted to listen a second time. Uh, Apparently, the first one was so good, we thought we should probably do a second one. I'm pretty sure this was just on autoplay, right? Yeah, probably. It's like that Netflix, (laughs) are you sure you want to keep listening? And then it just hits it so fast that Uh you can't. You can't jump in there. Yeah, so we're uh, we're back, and a lot has changed. So, I mean, if you did just autoplay, then it's going to sound like we were just in the same room because our tech Josiah, Josie for short, short Josie, is uh, he does such a good job mixing it. It sounds like it's all happening at the same time, same day recording, but really like an entire month has gone by since our first it's been a long time. It's been a long time. Worlds have changed. Your world has changed. It has. I mean, we're still stuck in a COVID time. We're, we're yeah. looks like we're number one USA. We're peaking again. That's uh, that's exciting. <laughs> that means new things. Yeah, I, yeah. It depends on what you're counting for sure. But you, something has changed with you, Tim. Yeah. I, can, I can see it. You have a glow. I have a glow. You have a glow. I've, that's that's the coffee. I think. Yeah. Uh, yeah. My wife and I, we welcomed our numero uno uh, little girl into the world, and it has rocked our world. What is her name? Charlotte Isla, uh, like island, just without the N D island. Mm-hmm. Uh, Charlotte Isla Byer, and uh, she is just, she's she's a beautiful, we just had her one month appointment, she's a shade under eight uh, pounds, and she's good, for the most part she is content, um, but it's it's weird, it's weird. Yeah. Life I, I has changed. Yeah, life has changed. Here's what I'm telling people is, so most people, they, they get married and then they go right into baby town kind of thing, right? Mm-hmm. And so your life is in flux, everything's kind of like... It's, you know, it's still shifting, still moving. And then you just go right into baby and it's still shifting and moving. Baby Not town. Us. Right. Baby town. Baby right. town. Yeah. So we were married for 14 and a half years mm-hmm. before Charlotte comes. And so um, we weren't like everything was set. We were, <laughs> I mean, our feet were in concrete. Nothing yeah. was shifting anymore. Our lives were. And so, I mean, this has been just a, it's been a huge, huge change. Like I knew it was going to be a change, and and I I'm good with the change. I'm blessed with the change. I mean, no regrets. But um, <laughs> regrets. but man, I just I can't I can't put into words how much things have changed because we just I mean we had a we had a routine. I mean we're 38 yeah. years old. Yeah, and we you're just, almost retiring. Life was life was normal, and now we have this whole new normal. I don't know. As far as I understand, your two kids are like 
what, 10 months apart or something like that? They are 13 months apart. Irish twins. All I know, all (laughs) I know is ain't gonna happen. Nope. I have no, 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 no. If, if, if Charlotte is four months old and we find out that we're going to have a numero dos, I, the tears would be shed for sure. Uh, I would be lying here. We're going to do confession early. <laughs> so my number two, uh, can we uh, joy? Know, yeah. Turn joy. off I, the podcast. Yeah. I don't know that I want to call her number two uh, publicly, but um, so we had Jack. I was, I had just, I guess, become the mission pastor here, led my first mission trip with like 60 people, took him to Ohio. It was great. It was stressful. I turned my ankle, drove home. I mean, like it was, it was just a, a chaotic week. My you wife celebrated a little too hard. No, yeah. no. My wife and son, Jack, he was like three, four months at the time. Mm-hmm. They came up and they were on the, the mission trip with us. I mean, like that was crazy. I get home after a long trip home, long week, just stressed out. I sit down on the sofa right as I come in (laughs) and Jen looks at me and goes, we're pregnant. And like all of these, like I hate social media in terms when like when they have these videos of the moms revealing it to the dads and the dads like, Oh, this is so great. Like I sat on the floor and just wept. And I'm like, it was just like all of the emotion of the week came out and it does not like, if I have a rag (laughs) it's that when I found out that we were pregnant again, uh, after, you know, it was, it was like, why God do you hate me? Um, I love you, joy. She's great. I like her so much more than I like Jack. She seems like a cool kid. She's all right. And neither one of them listened. So, yeah. So we, yeah, we took the uh, the express train to Baby Town, and you took the slow train to Baby Town. This is, uh, I don't know what kind of rating we're going to get on our podcast. I don't know. If explicit. We can quali- yeah. If we can cr- it's Christian explicit. It's going to get a <laughs> CE. Like, don't watch with uh, your grandmothers in the car. Uh, independence. Yeah. Um, independent fundamentalists, turn it off now. No, they've, they, don't, they don't use radios. <laughs> no, that's uh, all they have is radio. That's true. Yeah. They, they don't get this kind Transistor. of Transistor. They yeah. just turn it on. So what, what have you learned as a dad? What have I learned? What have you learned? I mean, it's been a month. Uh, patience, man. Yeah. Learning patience. I, I was telling, I was telling a friend earlier, like I, I feel, I mean, I, you know, I, I can't love a, another human being more than I love her, but I, I feel so bad when I get frustrated with her. Mm. And so, you know, I, I mean, it's just, she'll, she'll cry and she'll cry and she'll cry. And obviously you get frustrated and you don't know what to do. And then I kind of get mad at her. It's not like she can do anything about it. Not like I can do anything about it. But then afterwards, I just feel, so, you know, Jill will take and t- take the baby and tell me to go out in the garage and work out or go take a walk or drive somewhere or something. I just, I don't know, I feel so bad. Like, I just, I realize I don't have the patience that I thought I did, and God is growing me for sure. Yeah. I, so you'll either, God will either give you patience or like the rest of us, you'll just get used to it and be yeah. like, oh, I can be like, no, I'm kidding. My kids are great. We love them. Uh, have, have lots of kids, everybody. Um, Josie will probably edit that one out. Baby town. Uh, baby town. <laughs> That's going to be, that should be the name of this podcast. I mean, like this episode, I don't know we call it baby town. We get baby a whole town. different kind of clientele. Sure. Uh, but yeah, so it's been a month and, uh, and so far we actually haven't dropped any episodes yet so what we're doing is we're kind of banking a couple so that when the time comes that we're ready to go we can just kind of throw them on there and you, you can, can enjoy binge. them you can binge and then uh the pressure will be on us to actually do this more <laughs> than once a month least bingeable show ever, ever. <laughs> yeah no that'd be handmaid's tale no i mean I guess because oh 
I know. I made it through like two episodes of that. Man, I mean, it's it just like, oh, what do I want? To, do I want to watch another episode or have someone beat me in the head with a bat? Speaking um, of, so binge, uh, we should probably move on. But, probably. Um, like I, I've obviously now in the last month, I've been trying to like hold the baby and watch TV. But here's the thing. She's super clingy. And so I can't, we can't sit her down. You sit her down, she immediately starts screaming. So you mm-hmm. have to have her in, in, in your arms. And she doesn't want you to sit down either. Right. Can't even rock. You have to stand and walk. And so I've been trying to like, you know, watch some TV or watch some different things. It's actually a blessing that there's no sports on that's even remotely interesting to watch because yeah. then I don't have that to watch. But I've been trying to like, I've been trying, I've started and stopped Watchmen, the HBO show oh, yeah, Watchmen. Yeah, 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 I yeah. started and stopped episode one probably 12 times. It's good. I've only made it like halfway through the first episode and I still, I'm like, eh, I, uh, I don't, I don't, anyway. It's but, good. Yeah. I mean, that's what ever all, I mean, it's what it get, not, got nominated for like 120 everything. Emmys yeah. or something. I want to watch it, but. One it's of good. these days, eh, kids ruin everything. Yeah. Uh, no, they don't. We love you, kids. You're great. <laughs> we're, you, you're such a children are a blessing from the Lord. Um, sometimes you have to just read that verse over and over again. Baby town, uh, baby town. Okay, so we have caught up. We are sufficiently caught up. But here's it. Since it's been a month since we have had the opportunity to get together and record a podcast, and now we are trying to get back into the rhythm of things. I thought maybe we're going to be a little rusty, so. It would be a good idea to start back up with an easy topic to discuss, something that I think Tim especially really hits close to you. You're really pretty, um, very well versed in this. And that's the issue of bad church leadership. <laughs> I appreciate that there, Clark. Yeah, guys, I, I don't, I cannot uh, describe to you the, the terror and sheer joy it is to look at your boss in the eyes and say you know a thing or two about bad church leadership. Um, yeah, you can look at me in the eyes all you want, but my eyes are down in my notes. So Yeah, of course, right. You're so prepared, and I appreciate all that effort. So speaking of bad leadership, uh, something that, that was pretty funny that happened this past week, I mean, and, and I know it's, it's not great, but man, it cracked me up. Uh, have you heard about what is going on and what happened this past week with Jerry Falwell Jr.? Junior? Junior. So it really, really, anytime you bring up his name, uh, you would go, okay, what is it this week? But this week, Jerry Jr., uh, he is the president of Liberty College. Liberty you University. You are alma mater. My, and proudly, matter. not mine. Um, yeah. I mean, it's one of those things that I go, can I have like, <laughs> I would like the degree, but just not anyone to know uh, where it came from. Um so this past week, Baby Jerry uh, went and he went <laughs> on a vac- Baby Town. <laughs> he went on a vacation. Yes, he did with his family and some dear friends. And apparently, his wife's assistant. That's what the story is going to be. When you tell the story, right? Go ahead. But see, then I've also heard it was a friend of the daughter-in-law. So I mean, some of ah. it may be whatever. All we know is that it wasn't his wife. So he posted yeah, a very unwise photo. Huh. <laughs> a very unwise photo, it's, but but here, take it back, right? So the photo is him with the shirt up, a woman with the shirt up, his arm around the woman, both of their their their, their pants wide open, <laughs> him with a cup that all he he wouldn't if he hadn't even referenced the cup, people would have just no would have seen it, it wouldn't yeah. have seen it, and wouldn't would have just assumed it was Coke inside of a plastic cup. But he he mentions mentions that it's you know like don't pay attention to the cup. So now it's black every, water, right? So now everybody <laughs> thinks that he's you know having a glass of red wine or something, which have a glass of red wine. I don't don't care but to take a photo with another yeah. woman as in a place of leadership the, in that like would you even think let's back it up the photo is not the issue right 
I mean, posting the photo just shows his immaturity and lack of filter. Right. But the issue is that he was in that scenario anyway. Yeah. Right? I mean, a photo is only evidence of the, I don't want to say crime, but the evidence yeah. of the, the, the nonsense. So I've, I've figured it out. I don't know if you, so the whole deal was they had like a themed party on a yacht, mm-hmm. on a yacht. And the whole theme was everybody was to dress like characters from this show, The Trailer Park Boys. And that's another show that I've watched like the first episode and just didn't get into it. No, I'm not. Anyway. I'm, I'm, it's too low class for me. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I watched Tiger King, all of it in like an hour. Haven't watched uh, a second of it. Oh uh, man, you don't know what you're missing. Um, Carol Baskin totally killed her husband. You heard it here. So the, the whole deal is that they were having this themed party on a yacht. Mm-hmm. And, and his so, yacht, by the way, I don't know who's yacht. He's got. I mean, like I'm sure he's pulling down some some greens, right? Yeah, I'm sure. And so they're just on this yacht. They're they're having a thing, and so that's fine. I mean, if if you want to do that, I mean, whatever. It's the posting of the photo. It's the being in that position. It's all of it. Mm-hmm. And what's crazy about it is that you you know, as uh, someone who I didn't attend, I finished my degree through Liberty Online, which I actually did. You have recommend. to sign that little conduct contract. No. No. Oh. I don't think so. I didn't sign anything. I know the people that live on campus have to sign the Liberty Way, right? Oh, yeah, no. Yeah, the Liberty no. Way, like I am going to live in this, you know, this, right. which which I think pretty much that photo. Is uh, not the Liberty not Way. Not the Liberty Way. And that's just the, that's the thing, is that you go, listen, if one of your students had been caught in this position, uh, they would have been expelled. Like they would have gotten all the way kicked out of school and whatever. And so that you've got somebody who is not living the Liberty way and puts himself in a position that is just not great. And then not only that, but like to look at the cup and to say the issue here is the black water. It's like, homie, yeah, that ain't the, the issue. issue. I mean, really like the, the beard is more disturbing than, <laughs> than the, what was in the cup. Like that was like the least interesting thing about that photo. So I don't know. our sound um, tech over here, I don't know. It's, it's the beard. I mean, compared to his beard, nobody has a beard like Josie. It's, yeah. it's an amazing beard. It's, it's getting there. Are you planning on taking it? Like how far are you planning on taking it? As far as it'll as go. As far as it'll go. Nice. Oh, I'm excited. I'm going to pray for that then. Yeah. What you got Tim? So uh, we're, we're kind of lighthearted. Um, you know, stories of the church, right? This is what we're doing. Yeah. I recommend to anyone who has had any any um, experience in the independent fundamental Baptist church to check out the Twitter feed at fake sermon, at fake sermon, and you will see daily, daily just clips of ridiculousness. Mm-hmm. Clips. In fact, this upcoming this upcoming Sunday, I'm preaching on legalism, and I'm using two sermon clips from that <laughs> Twitter feed just to show some of the nonsense. In fact, so here, here's a story that uh, when I when I saw it, my I showed it to my wife, and she was incredulous. I was, and anyway, so uh, you know, the Independent Fundamental Baptist Church are obsessed with dress, mm. especially the dress of women, but even the dress of men as well, right? You got to wear a tie, the whole, you know, or you don't love Jesus, but women wearing dresses and not pants and all that kind of stuff. Anyway, so this gentleman was preaching and it looked like he was preaching like a Sunday night, maybe a Bible study or something like that. Cause he wasn't up in the pool, but he was down on the floor. It was more, more casual. You know, he didn't have a jacket on, so I'm sure it wasn't a Sunday morning. Yeah. But anyway, he, he, he was talking about women not wearing pants, and then he backed it up to girls not wearing pants. And then he started to say, 
And so here's where you're going to have to use a little bit of discernment when it comes to the toddlers and the infants and the little onesies that they wear. He says, I think it's okay for a girl to wear a onesie, you know, but once they hit about one or something like that, like they can't be, you're going to be teaching them bad habits and being in pants and they need to start wearing dresses at that point in time. And I almost threw my laptop against the wall because I'm like, dude, like, can, can we just, can, can we, can we hit like some of the real important topics of the world? Instead of your opinion on whether a one-year-old girl is going to wear a onesie and whether that's going to affect, I mean, what, is she going to, you know, have different sexual preferences now as a one-year-old now because she has a onesie on? I don't get it, man. That's insane. It is lighthearted, but it's a little bit of frustration on my end, too, that there's people that waste their breath with this. Well, we talked about it. At Fake Sermon. at, At Fake Sermon. It's uh, it, at yeah. IFB clips or something, sermon clips. I mean, yeah. it, it is it is crazy. Uh, it is a, a treasure trove of, <laughs> of amazing things. That you go, there are people out there who said these things and then put them out there for other people to hear. Um, mm-hmm. Hashtag. Hey, man. Um, hey, man. Hey, man. Hey, man. I mean, and so here's the deal. Like we we've thrown in just two episodes. We've thrown a lot of uh, uh, of heat towards um, independent fundamental Baptist. Um, we love them. We hope yeah, to see them in heaven. Brothers and sisters. No, just, well, here's the thing is they don't think that they're going to see us in heaven. Right. I think we'll see them in heaven. I can't wait to like walk up behind him and right. go, guess what? Guess, guess who? Guess who? <laughs> Just that you know that that pastor you know that pastor and uh-huh. you can just reach around and you know put your cover his eyes and it's say like, guess, guess who? who it's the baby town twins it's like, <laughs> <laughs> it's those guys from baby town right, they're cool. the babies wear pants we're talking bad leadership uh, we're I, talking I think bad we leadership. might actually be leading bad right now we are yeah, but we, we are go. I mean but you know this is therapeutic just to kind of laugh we're gonna laugh at everything we're yeah, gonna laugh we, at everybody we, and if ourselves you, and if we're you don't gonna, laugh you're gonna cry right right. And so today we are talking about bad church leadership. You could talk about bad leadership, but we really want to focus in, uh, since this whole podcast is about how to be better Christians, how to make the church better, we want to address the issue of bad leadership. Last, uh, last episode, we talked about hypocrisy. We talked about what it means to live differently than the way that, uh, that, that, that we profess as Christians. Sure. And, and we kind of now, and I think we have kind of an inside track as leaders into the topic of bad leadership. Um, I think one of the main reasons why people leave the church is because they have been burned because of bad leadership. Whether, no question. Whether intentionally, whether unintention, unintentionally, um, when pastors, when church leaders, priests, whatever, hurt you, that is wounding. And then the problem becomes is that people don't just leave that specific church, but because they view leadership as the extension mm-hmm. of God in some way, uh, that's... We're not saying we're that, but the that people kind of associate the two. Well, we're a billboard for Christ, right? Yeah. And so if the billboard is terrible. Yeah. Then all of a sudden it looks like then sure. that Jesus guy's, uh, this is what he does and this is what his his the leaders of his followers do. So we're going to talk about that today. We do need to address the issue of bad leadership. But before we do that, since uh, Tim is here, I kind of wanted to have start this conversation by really looking at the ch- challenges, hmm. try that again. Since Tim is here, I really want to look at the challenges of being a church leader because I think most people just sort of assume we work on Sundays and hmm. that's about it. And there are a lot of challenges when it comes to being a leader in the church, I think largely different than than the world, than sure. what you would see in the secular world. Um, and so I, just to open up the conversation, why is being a church leader so hard? 
Well, for the point that I just mentioned to you, number one is we are a billboard, right? Right. Um, and so when people look at us, they're going to make judgments about the church. They're going to make judgments about Christ because we are supposed to be portraying him. And we're sinners. So number two, we're sinners and we're hypocrites in our own. So we talked about hypocrisy in the pews. There's hypocrisy in hypocrisy in the pulpit. From the best of us, there's hypocrisy in the pulpit. And so part of that's that's one of the first things of why being a church leader is so hard, in my opinion, is that you have to work harder than everybody else, um, you know, because people are looking at you more and, and with a stronger eye than everyone else. It's because you, you put the collar on, basically. So you, you expect, if you see someone in public wearing a collar, as a Catholic priest would, you would expect them to uh, act a certain way, or you would be, you would expect them to be open to you coming to them with a problem or a conversation or a question. You would expect that. Um, but most of us in the Protestant world don't wear a collar, but we should still, I mean, we, we still have the same expectations, right? Right. I mean, I think the expectations are extraordinarily high for a pastor, for a priest, for a church leader, you know, whatever that looks like in the church that you are in. Um, I think what you said is right on because people, I think, tend to look at church leadership and expect perfection. Like you are better. It's like when you go to a gym and you say, I'm going to work with a trainer. I want to work with somebody who is stronger than me and further along than me. Um, I don't want to go to the dude in the corner who's eating Funyuns and, you know, not moving. So you Um, don't want me. Right, exactly. And so, yeah, I wouldn't (laughs) want you as a trainer. I will totally take you as a pastor. But, yeah, the expectations are so so high that you are going to have, like, perfected holiness. Mm -hmm. And that's why it's such a big deal when church leaders fail. Um, for instance, if, if just a regular Joe, I mean, to be fair, if somebody in the church just went, had a, their own party with their family on a yacht and dressed like the trailer took park boys, picture, took no the picture, deal. no big deal. Yeah. Right. But because it's Jerry jr, because he is associated, even though he says, I'm not a pastor, I'm not a Christian leader. I am sure. the president of, of, you know, I, I mean, mean, like take, uh, I mean, uh, like Elon Musk. Like sure. another leader of a you know huge organization, Elon is obviously I think much more influential than Jerry Jr. But um, had he put that, I mean he's done some outlandish things, and some people roast him for it. But had he done that, people would have been like, ah, that's funny. Yeah, it's funny, right? Yeah, but, but if be- you're portraying, if you're from a, the Christian side, right, totally different standard. Can't do it, and it should be. And I think it's hard too because we love the church, we love working uh, alongside the church and leading the church. But unlike your job, like mm. the leaders, the managers, your bosses, you sort of have to do what they tell you to do. And the thing with being a pastor is that so often we have been called by God to kind of guide people along the way that they should go. And, and they're really willing to do that so long as you don't tell them to do something they don't want to do. Mm-hmm. Does that make any sense? Yeah, that and you get an inordinate amount of trust placed in your hands mm-hmm. because you are the pastor, and so people are going to pay more attention. So it's kind of a double-edged sword there. They don't want to listen to you, but they also will give you more of an ear than anybody else. And so that's why a lot of pastors abuse that trust because yeah. they know they have it, um, which, again, that's another mark of bad leadership, uh, You know that so many people understand that the the term and the the title pastor carries a lot of weight and so if they're a wolf you know what what better place would you want to put yourself in yeah that you would be able to prey on people and i think you definitely see that happen a lot of times because they're sure. the, the church god bless them uh, the church is so willing very often to embrace people 
uh, regardless of their past and say, you know, if this person has been, you know, saved by God, grace, we will be merciful and, and whatever. And we just look for the good in people. And so what happens is we come along and we just trust that our leaders are going to be good. And then so often they aren't. And that's why it's appealing to people. And I, I don't mean this in a nasty way, but there's no way it's going to come out uh, any other way. But a lot of times there are people who would not be successful in the secular world who can make it as a, as a Christian leader sure. because Christians are willing to say, okay, I'll follow you because you told me God placed a call on your life. Sure. And, and so, you know, so we're willing to just say, okay, I'll follow you because you tell me God, as opposed to us looking and saying, yeah, I really see what God is doing in your life and I want to follow you. Sure. I agree with that. One other thing that I think makes being a leader in church really hard uh, is the amount, not just the expectations, but the responsibilities that you're given. Like you have to, as a pastor, and I mean, you have, you're really good about saying, you know, you are one among equals, but ultimately you are the lead shepherd of the, of this church. Sure. Right. And, and there is a lot of responsibility on you more so than on me. Um, even though you keep trying to give me all of your responsibility and I appreciate your trust and your willingness to delegate, but good leadership, it is yeah, good (laughs) leadership, but we're really talking about like all stages of life care. Sure. Right. So when somebody is born, you have to be there. When somebody is getting married, you need to be there. When somebody is over the casket. Right. And then it's like you have all this interpersonal ministry. You've got counseling that you get called on when things go wrong. Personal ministry. When somebody's in the hospital, all of a sudden it's, well, we need to call the pastor. You know, we haven't listened to him yet for a while, but we want him by our side there. And then on the flip side of it, not just the personal elements of it, but the corporate aspects of it. You know, then you're the, the, the pastor is expected to lead the church, to vision cast, to teach, to preach, to carry out the vision, sure. to do all of that all the time, a hundred percent and be on call 24 seven. And also you have to lead your family well, or else we don't trust you. And we have to like all of it, all of it, always a smile. Yeah. We can never have a down day. Right. Right. And if you do have a down day, if, if the things that we would express that we often express behind closed doors, if we didn't do that behind closed doors and people would go, wait a second, you suck as a pastor because you got irritated at this stuff. And, and so to start off, like for the people listening, I wanted to just explain that bad leadership, it it can show up in the church very easily. Um, we're talking about fallible people who have a lot on them, but also use this as a springboard to say, you know, there are some, your pastors are doing really good things and they're working really hard. Most people don't get into ministry and I'm going to talk on this a little bit later, but I, most people do not get into ministry to become rich and famous. They most. do it because God, most, yeah. some, and sometimes it works for them. But for most people it's, I'm getting into ministry because God has called me into it and I love people. Yeah. And so, you know, love your pastors, honor them. But on the flip side, we want to acknowledge for sure that there are things out there, that there are pastors, there are church leaders who are really not doing great things. And so for those of you listening, we're assuming that you are plugged into a local church somewhere. You should be like the people on TV, the people on the podcast that you listen to. They're, they're wonderful. We listen to the same ones or we listen to different ones, but we're pulling our uh, our spiritual guidance from a lot of different places, but you do need to be plugged into a local church. Sure, you can be taught from different places, but sure. you need community. Yeah. yeah. And, and at the top of that is going to be the leadership, and you have to be in line, you have to be on board with where the leadership is, 
right? Um, because if you don't like what's happening at sure. the top, you're really not going to like how, how things fall out. And so what we did, I thought would be a fun exercise to, for us to kind of go back and forth and to list what we consider to be like our five, I don't know if you'd call them top and I definitely haven't ranked mine, but nah, the top everybody. five qualities of a bad church leader. And to be clear, I don't know your list. You don't know mine. Right. And so what you want to do is you one, one, two, two, three, yeah. three. Okay. And so right. the way I did, I don't know about what you did. I didn't research any of this. I just talked to my wife, thought about mm-hmm. what I've seen, the leaders that I have really appreciated, the leaders that have I've been like, man, I would kind of classify you in this other category of people I, uh, that I would not want to follow in church. Qualities of a bad leader. Right. And then I researched it and found that um, that a lot of these are showing up in a lot of different places. So okay. since you're the brains behind this whole operation, number one, what's yours? All right, so we're going. This is specific to pastoral leadership, right. correct? Right. Which obviously, especially with number one, you're going to hear other leadership when I say this. Mm-hmm. But specific to pastoral leadership, and again, I, I don't think this is in any kind of order. But the first thing to throw out there is the pastor. Signs of a bad pastor: the pastor who never takes responsibility. Hmm. So, in other words, the one who surrounds themselves with yes people. Um, and anyone who comes to them with anything that could be considered as negative feedback, they seek to deny, discredit, and isolate. So any critique that comes their way, it's nope, it is you are terrible, and you are, you know, isolate them out in the corner. This would be similar to the 2020 version of saying fake news. Hmm. Like anything that would come to this particular leader, well, that's just, no, that's fake news. I don't know where you got that source, or I don't know why you think that way. But the leader who never takes responsibility, but the fact of the matter is, any leader, but even especially a pastor, is responsible in front of God for the church. So there, you could make the, the 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 argument that we have not all the responsibility, but we have the heaviest burden of responsibility. Like we will stand before God and give an account for how we've led the church. But there's way too many pastors who take no responsibility whatsoever. So they'll take credit for the good, but everything else is the deacon's fault or Sunday school's fault or something else. Yeah, my first one really is right in line with that. I looked at it from the standpoint of extremes when it comes to ego, right? And so I have on there, can't take credit, can't, uh, or can't give credit, can't take responsibility, but, but really ego, and it works, really, you don't want a pastor who is on either extremes mm-hmm. when it comes to ego. Like on one hand, you, it's gonna be really weird when I say this, because you're gonna be like, well, then nobody's gonna work. But you don't want a pastor who's gonna be overconfident. You don't want a pastor who's gonna say, like, I'm depending on my own ability. I love the spotlight. Look at me. This is what the church is about. There's and, a fine line between right. confidence and overconfidence. But then on the flip side of that, there's a fine line in the other direction that you're talking about where people are insecure, where it's, I, I don't, I don't like hearing these, the, the things that I've, I've not done well, that maybe they're competitive. They're jealous if somebody else is getting credit for something that has to be like, well, you know, don't forget me. And yeah, and, and I, I see that like in the scripture, like when Peter is, the whole story about Peter walking on the water, mm-hmm. that Jesus comes out and he says, hey, come follow me. And Peter's like, he's the joker who's like, I'm going to walk on the water. You know, sure. I'm going to get out of the boat, watch me. And everybody else is like, dude, what are you smoking? That's, you know, and Peter, like to his credit, it's like, I'm going to follow. But in his overconfidence, he doesn't realize I can't do this without the guy who's actually doing it. And once sure. it gets out there, then all of a sudden there's this insecurity of I'm going to fail. And to me, the flip side of that 
comes down to humility. And I think sounds like for both of us, our number ones sure. would be humility has to be the first thing to say. I'm not the guy. I'm the guy, the guy This going to be really confusing. I'm not the guy, but I'm the guy that the guy asked. Forget it. Yeah. I'm, not I'm the under try. shepherd to the chief shepherd right. who is Christ. That's why you get paid the big bucks. Well, that's scriptural. My yeah. number two is, is very much in line with that. Um, I wrote down a, a, a bad pastor is one who surrounds themselves with people that are dumber than he is. Mm. Um, again, you mentioned the self-esteem. So because of self-esteem, uh, you have people that are not interested in, in talent, if you will. I mean, talent's a terrible word, but it makes the organization weaker when the pastor is insecure and has self-esteem issues and he doesn't want the people around him to succeed uh, when he's intimidated by. So for instance, I've been in that situation before in a ministry where uh, I I felt very, I felt bad when I would sub in to preach for this gentleman and I would get um, compliments and he would hear the compliments about the sermon or about the teaching, whatever it may be. And he, I mean, it was massive insecurity there. And so it, when you have a leader who has no interest in people being smarter than him, under him, if you will, then the ceiling of the organization is now his, it's him. Like mm-hmm. he is now, if he's going to surround himself with, if he's a three and he's going to surround himself with twos and under, then your organization's only going to be a three. Mm-hmm. But I, I'm, I love hearing stories and seeing in action, like specifically uh, we've talked about a church down in Jacksonville. It's like, you know, it's a church that I kind of got a crush on a little bit, but um, the pastor down there was, uh, he had a, a, an associate who was a dynamic leader and a better preacher than he was. And he gave him more pulpit time. And to the point where that church actually became like 60, 40, you know, bigger for that. And then he then sent him out as a church plant. Like hmm. go do man, and then there was there was no uh, animosity. It was cheering on. It was like man, we want for the glory of the kingdom, people to be uh, doing good and doing well, as opposed to wait a minute, I want the glory here. So anybody else that gets a compliment or anybody else that's doing good, let me suppress you so that I'm the one who's at the top. And that comes down to humility again. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and so that what I really like about that is that you you want somebody who says, I, I have weaknesses, somebody else could be better in this area, and that's somebody who can learn. I mean, you know, there's nothing worse than following somebody who says, I, I know everything. Sure. Um, and so I'm glad that you were able to discern in your ministry that you were smarter than the other people and that if they had just listened to you, um, you know, you're, you're a solid six, 10 uh, bad leadership. Okay. So number two, uh, in terms of what you should be looking for in a leader of your church, uh, to me, it was love of others. Okay. Right. So not manipulative, showing compassion and concern, um, going back to your whole wolf in sheep's clothing that mm-hmm. you shouldn't have a leader who is trying to manipulate you or get you to do things. Sure. You know, your gut, You don't always want to trust your gut in terms of, you know, when it comes to biblical things, people like this just feels right. But ultimately you, you got to be careful. I mean, the pastors are not perfect and and there are times where the spotlight can become too great of a pull. Uh, And so you, your pastor, whoever it is, should be exhibiting love towards you in some way, understanding that your love language and the love language that your pastor speaks may be different. And so like in marriage, when you come, you have conflict and you go, wait, I'm not getting my needs met because this person's not doing this. And then you go, well, wait a second. Is it just a matter um, of 
not speaking the same language, not loving each other in the same way. That's the challenge of the pastor. Like we have to figure out how to minister to people in a lot of different areas. And then it's also, there's a responsibility on the church side, the church uh, layman side to say, is my pastor loving me in a way that he can Now, if you can exhibit and say, no, this pastor is not exhibiting love towards me. Mm-hmm. If, if he's abusive, absolutely not. Um, try to figure out, is he serving others? Is he putting others before him or is the, is he the whole show and just yeah. give him love? Well, that's, that's the difference again. How, why is it harder to be a church leader is because we're called a servant leadership mm. more than a CEO lording leadership. Um, you mentioned love has a lot of languages. I would suggest that servanthood is a universal language. Like you can love in different ways, but serving is, I mean, serving, putting yourself below someone else, uh, in leadership. And that actually brings me to my number three. Um, it's interesting that we did not plan any of this, but I I wrote down, um, a sign of a bad church leader is the one who leads by force instead of by shepherding. So we I just recently read a book summary about um, the difference between leading from in front and instead of leading from behind. So someone who leads in front is a puller. Someone who leads from behind pushes. Um, and people don't like to be pushed. People would rather be pulled. People would rather the leader take the arrows before they have to jump out, right? It's like it's the the army general who's going to be on the battlefield on the front lines, not up on the, the hillside on his steed. I don't know what year this is, but um, <laughs> not the one who's going to be up on the hillside saying, you guys go do it. I'll be there once you're done. So um, I've heard of pastors who have the sign on their wall, lead, follow, or... Get out of the way. Yeah, exactly. Which um, I just I just don't see that in church leadership. I mean, sometimes there's moments where you do have to cut ties with somebody who just is going to be obstinate and is not going to like just needs to find a different team. I get it. Um, but sometimes you just you have to take the extra time to lead people and to pull them instead of just pushing them down the road. So the bad church leader leads by force instead of by shepherding. So I'll jump, I'll, I'll put mine in a different order since these weren't ranked anyway. That kind of goes along with my number four, which okay. is uh, modeling, right? You have to, as a, as a... I was a model in college. Yeah, clearly those days are well <laughs> past us. Um, yeah, I modeling. Not a model in One of the best things I heard when I first got into the ministry, I was at a, a worship conference and it's some, it was like one of the pieces of information that I know it's like probably everybody's heard at this point, but at that time I was new in ministry and I went, oh my goodness, that makes complete sense. But they were talking about worship and they said, as a worship leader, you can't take someone somewhere you're not going. And so if, if I'm trying to get you to engage with the spirit in worship and I'm not there, mm-hmm. then how effective is that leadership going to be? It's the difference between being a worship leader and a lead worshiper. Right. And so that's really, thank you for that. I was so, I've never heard that before. Um, No kidding. But the, and so our job as pastors is to (laughs) model holiness, right? The fruits of the spirit and to like work on ourselves to say that, you know, we, we will go out first. We're not going to ask you to do something that we're not willing to do as well. Mm -hmm. Um, And so to me, we have to live a life that reflects the teaching. Like you can't just have a pastor who gets up and says, guys, God has given me a word for you. This is exactly how he wants you all to live. Yeah. Good luck. You know, I mean that, that the, those might be true statements, but if then you evaluate the pastor's character and his life and you go, you're not doing that either. Then all you're really doing is just telling us things that might be good information. I mean, so you want someone whose life reflects their teaching. Agreed. 
All right, so Tim, what is your number four? That was my number four. I'll jump back to three in a second. What's your number four? Yeah, so my number four uh, sign of a bad church leader, bad pastor, is one who deals with conflict by talking about people instead of talking to people. Hmm. So, um, I mean, this is a general leadership concept anyway, but as a pastor, you, you have to shepherd the flock, which means you have to protect the flock, which means you have to be a fierce protector of the flock and a fierce protector of the unity inside of the flock. And way too many pastors allow toxic conversations to 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 run um, to run wild. Uh, I, I wrote down, and I, this is probably not you know original to me. I'm probably sure I read it or heard it somewhere, but I wrote down toxic comment. Excuse me, toxic conversations ferment. In other words, they start as one thing, something completely small, but if you just let it sit for some time, it completely morphs into something so much stronger. Um, and a church leader just has to be fiercely protective of the unity in the church and not uh, shy away or farm off or um, delegate out the conversations that just need to happen. And and way too many churches split and are moved around because a a church pastor just isn't willing to pull up his britches, if you will, and go do what needs to be done and have the conversations that are necessary. Yeah. And I mean, I'll be straight up honest. That's one of the things I don't like about you as a boss, because I mean, and you do this really well which is when there is conflict, your MO, the way you will handle things is then go to that person and have that conversation as opposed to figuring it out. And I'm and like, then I ask you two weeks later, did you ever talk to that person? I'm like, no, it just resolved itself because I just, I let it die. <laughs> no, but I mean, and, but, and that's, that's good. And so it's, this may be really boring podcast because I, I feel like a lot of our things are lining up. Our five won't, our number five won't line up. I promise. Um, but number three for me, which I'm, I know I'm jumping back, but my, so I guess the fourth one I'm offering I will say this is a quality that you should be looking for is somebody who is willing to do the hard work that you just talked about. Sure. Somebody that is willing to have the conversation, somebody who is willing to, um, to do maybe something that is unpopular, make an unpopular choice just because that's what they feel God is leading them to do. Sure. Um, and so I would say as, as church members, you know, one of the things is that your pastor, you shouldn't, right? I don't say you shouldn't, you don't have to agree with everything that they do. You don't have to agree with all of their calls. Um, you have to evaluate though. Is it in line with the mission and what God has called them to do mm-hmm. that ultimately it's like, well, I don't like that you did this, but I don't actually see that that's the wrong thing. You know, it could make sense. And I'm going to trust that you're, you, you, if somebody's not abusing that and, and manipulating you with that, um, you have to be able to, to, to follow that leader. Um, and so, yeah, you definitely want someone who, who is not going to just chase the wind, sure. somebody who is not going to be. So if I have to do negative, I forgot I was supposed to do it this way. And this was my idea. Um, but you don't want somebody who every time a decision is made, they can get easily talked out of it. Because as somebody who has followed that kind of leadership, it makes you have zero confidence that that they're actually leading where God is wanting them to go. Or are going to follow through until they talk to the next person. Right. Then they just blown, blown in the wind for sure. Yeah. And so if, if someone comes up to me and says, this is what God wants us to do, then I'm like, you know what, if that's what God wants us to do and you're the leader and, and then I will support that, I will back that up. How do I help make that happen? And then you come back later and say, "Never mind. God wants us to do this. Then I'm going, uh, what? Yeah, I, I, you know, I've made plenty of mistakes and I will continue to make plenty of mistakes. But sometimes when people come with complaints about some sort of a decision um, uh, that, that the church has made, I always say, OK, before you come and you, you want to have this meeting with me and all this, this kind of stuff, pray hard 
because I promise you, I've already prayed about this decision more than you have. So another, you know, so you talk about a bold visionary leader. I, as the lead shepherd, am not the chief shepherd, right? And so this is Christ's church. And so the hope is that a pastor will consult the Holy Spirit and consult our Savior and Lord before, I mean, obviously not every decision, but for big decisions. And so for the people that say, you know, hey, I don't like that decision because I don't like it. It's invalid to me until you spend as much time as I have in prayer about it. You know, mm-hmm. I just, just because it, it, I'm not the shepherd and you're not the shepherd, but he is. And so we'd, we'd prayerfully make these decisions. All right, you ready for my number five? Number you five. Wanna, you no, you, you go first. All right. I agree that my number five is probably way off from your number five, but I wanted to throw this in here just because I'm a stinker and I, I'm not a mega church pastor. And sometimes, uh, you know, I like to, r- you know, rib on mega church pastors here for a second. You ready? You are a bad church leader if you have an entourage. Oh. <laughs> if you have an entourage, you are a bad church leader. In fact, I would say this. If you have an entourage, you are not a pastor. If, if your, your parishioners don't have access to you, you are not their pastor. You are a Sunday teacher, but you are not a pastor. You have, you've gone past that. You know, you, you've elevated yourself out of that. In fact, to use that word and to not name names about a particular church, I was watching uh, basically a testimony of, uh, on YouTube of a guy who left a particular church who was elevated I'll just say that into ministry, into a ministry position at this particular church. And he, he, he made a comment in passing that absolutely floored me. They asked, you know, did, do you know, did you ever get a chance to know the pastor? Did you, were you friends? Did you interact with him very much? And he was in a elevated position of leadership. And he made a passing. He says, yeah, I met him once or twice. In fact, the one time, one time I met him, we were having a big event for all of the volunteers in the church and he, he swung by. And he like he he passed by and kind of came in and 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 I was like you know I was the kind of like friends to a friend and kind of around, and I went wait a minute wait a minute wait a minute, here's the pastor the P A S T O R of the church where all of the leaders the the volunteer this is not just a Sunday morning this is where the volunteers and the leaders are being honored, and he he just swung in because he didn't have something else better to do and so I, I just. Like without any names, man, if you are a pastor with an entourage and you are untouchable, you are no longer a pastor. Yeah. Your, your sheep should have access to you. Correct. Absolutely. That's a good one. I hadn't thought of that. Uh, cause I don't have an entourage and that's not how my, how my brain works. Uh, <laughs> entourage. But here is how my brain works. This, this won't surprise you, uh, knowing my background, but, um, I will say church members, if you were looking at your pastor, here is something that is tangible and, and I know it may be a little dangerous because everybody does this differently, but a, a mark of a bad pastor, a bad church leader, is a pastor who doesn't worship. Mm. So, okay. like, I'm a worship pastor, and so, like, to me, it, it makes, and I don't say it makes me feel good, that's not, but, but it gives me confidence when I look out on a Sunday morning and I see you off by yourself, and I'm not watching you, but I mean, I, I'm, I'm telling, like, Creepy. it is. But you, I mean, I got to look at somebody and it's just weird um, looking out and making eye contact with people. But, but to know that you are engaging with the Lord at that moment sure. and that you're locked in makes me go, this is a sensitive heart that is, that is trying to say, God, what do you want here in this moment? I legit have been in a church. I'm not kidding. This is so, it, it, it made me so mad. And I was young when I saw this and it made such an impression on me that it's to the point where when I go into a church, if I see a pastor doing this, I'm immediately like, no, done. I don't know what you're going on, but the judge a book. Here you go. 
the pastor during worship, he walked in about halfway through, which was whatever. Okay. I mean, it's, there are times where you, you, ministry happens. Sure. I get that. Caught in the lobby. Totally. Sure. But this guy walked up on stage, opened up his Bible and began pacing around while everybody is singing the songs. Everybody's engaged in worship. He's studying his message on the stage. And I'm like, bro, first off, if you haven't studied to this point and you go on in 15 minutes, we're all out of luck. Like this is not going to go well, but just the fact that you go, I don't need to engage in the Holy spirit. I don't need to worship. Uh, I got this on my own. That to me is, is these are, that is just something that just is a, is a personal burn. And like here, everybody listening, you know, look at your pastors and evaluate what they do, you know, look at and understand that there may be some complexities or maybe some things that you don't understand. But for the most part, there are some tangible things that we've listed that you go evaluate your pastor and look to see, does my pastor exhibit these kind of qualities? And if so, there may be some things that need to happen. And so lastly, the last question, I know we're starting to run long, but Tim, if someone is in a church that has a leader that is exhibiting these kind of qualities, what would your advice be? If they're attending a church, move, go. If you are a covenant member of the church and you've covenanted to the church and they've covenanted to you, then you need to pull in a little bit of Matthew 18 accountability and and confrontation and you just need to say, hey, pastor, uh, even if they have an entourage, (laughs) you need to say, hey, pastor, I need to meet with you. And go into that meeting prayerful, not hot and heavy. Uh, Go into that meeting with humility, understanding that he may be a hypocrite, but so are you. He's a sinner, so are you. And um, go just express your concerns instead of um, stewing in them and instead of letting your concerns ferment, as I mentioned before, go in humbly and say, here is what I see. Uh, Convince me otherwise. Um, but, but do so with a prayerful heart. Yeah, I think, so let's be real clear, um, on the front of this, when we talk about bad church leadership, there's a category of bad church leaders that we're not even touching right now. And what I want to say is that if you are in a church situation with a leader in your church who has been abusive, uh, who has been criminal, anything like that, call the cops, get out yeah. like that. Th- like we're, we're like that kind of category is, I'm, I'm sorry we haven't addressed that before now, sure. but like, it, but that is real hurt and that is real thing. And and for us as leaders, this is not a protect your own kind of thing. No I criminal mean, investigation, anything that criminal in nature, criminal investigations are not carried out by the church. Yeah. <laughs> Call the police. Yeah. 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 Civic leaders. But barring those situations, if this is just something where you see some of these qualities come up in a leader. Sure. I think definitely there needs to be, like you said, if, if you're just attending, if it's not a great fit, then you move on because you haven't invested in there. You, you've not made it unless you feel God calling you there. And in which case then you, you, you know, engage as, as the Lord leads you. But I think you, no matter what you do, you still have to act like a Christian. Sure. You still have to act, you know, seek to resolve, seek the unity because that's yeah. what your pastor wants as well is, is to, is to be unified. So my recommendation, and every pastor has blind spots yeah. and sometimes you might be the only one who sees what he can't see. A blind yeah. spot is exactly that something that he can't see. Yeah. And so have an edifying conversation and it may be wonderful. Yeah. But what I would suggest would be helpful is not having those conversations with other people before you have them with the pastor. 100%. Because what ends up happening is that these blind spots, these things that the pastor might be doing uh, unaware, uh, then all of a sudden, or maybe you just don't understand what, mm-hmm. what what's going on. 
then you start to have those conversations with people that you consider to be safe. And it just turns into this backbiting in this, you talked about toxic conversation. And so, yeah, I mean, pray for your leaders, um, go and talk to them, figure out, you know, how can we resolve this? Because I really want to resolve this. If you can't resolve it, then I would say, really seek God and say, God, is this, is this your way of telling me that I need to go somewhere else? Um, and so, you know, that, that is, that is, uh, our advice if you're in that situation. And now we come to the most uncomfortable moment in the podcast, the time of confession. And, uh, I know we're already running long. So Tim, I know when you look back on your life, you can see a lot of areas in which you've exhibited bad leadership. Sure. Um, but I would like to ask you to keep it to only 30 things that you want to share. I know yeah, I and, cut it in half. And I'm not going to be super specific. I know I kind of went with the trite example last time of literally not helping an old lady across the street, <laughs> but that still weighs on me, still weighs on me. Um, but to not be super specific, I, I've mentioned leading from the front instead of leading from behind, but it's, sometimes you need to cut ties with people. Instead of, uh, you know, just um, basically keeping the ship from not moving, um, you know, I've made plenty of mistakes. And in my younger years, I have not been as patient with people as I should have. I've had, you know, half a conversation with them to finally say, listen, you're not here to lead. You're not here to follow. Just get out of the way. We're moving as opposed to shepherding from the front and help pulling people along until you can't any longer. Uh, you know, I have no problem, and I say it on Sunday sometimes. If you know, if you can't, if you don't want to be here, or if you're not good with you know biblical teaching, like go somewhere else. Like you're more than welcome to go somewhere else. Um, but um, or if you don't want to be a part of the vision of the church, then go somewhere else gladly. Uh, I, th- that I still find is okay, but I, I have I've not been as patient as I should at some particular times in my ministry for sure. But just to, to, to judge you for a second, Oh, good. the one thing I would never do is show up late to an appointment and blame my son. So <laughs> I don't know if you, you know, so this, you know, today you said, Hey man, I'm going to be there five, 10 minutes late. Cause I got to go pick up Jack from a, you know, a sleepover or something. And my question to you is, was there a hard stop to the sleepover? Like, was there a moment where dad don't pick me up before this moment in time? Or was it, you could have just left the, the house 10 minutes earlier and not blamed and cast and had a, a, a scapegoat of your son. Cause that's bad leadership to not yeah. just take it on your shoulders. Well, no. So uh, to answer that, since we're going to get real personal, <laughs> I actually picked him up early uh, from his, from his uh, f- time with his friends uh, in this COVID. I'm glad that you think he, hundred percent, hundred percent. I was supposed to pick him up at four o'clock and we've got him at three forty Cause we wanted to make sure that we were here. You're on supposed time. to be here at four. I know that's why I picked him up early so that Good I could. You. Yeah. Uh, and, but Tim, here's the thing that you're going to learn. Um, nice. this is the way that children, children are amazing. You can blame your kids for everything when it comes to being late. That sounds like, like being a really good dad. I, I mean, yeah. Yeah. No, I'm not saying it's their fault. A lot of times it will be, yeah. but you can always say, oh guys, my kids. Right. Sure. I mean, that's, you know, I mean, I've been blaming tax deduction. I've been blaming the dog for farts for years. Right. So you just kind of the same kind of thing, just on a bigger scale. Right. right? Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And uh, blame your farts on your kids. So, all right. So here's my <laughs> confession Do and it. I don't like it um, because it, it's not a good look, but so about, I don't know about it. 
seven, eight years ago. You're confident in your job security before you mentioned this, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. But I mean, it's not a good look. So, I mean, here, we're going to be real honest. Um, there was a, a guy in our church who just did not like me. Mm-hmm. And when I say did not like me, I mean, he actively had a campaign mm-hmm. to try to get me fired. Nice. Uh, because, and I, maybe it was the Mohawk. I don't know. But there was a moment when our church was was kind of going through some some issues where it's used where he got up at the floor of a business meeting when we were discussing staff and all the staff had uh, been dismissed, but it did get back to me that he stood up from the floor of the business meeting and actively advocated that I not have a job here anymore. And so like, I I get that that would burn people. Um, That didn't just burn me. That just made me go, well, then we're done. And so like that you in the church or you in that individual, that individual, because it just, it became a thing of going, you know what? I have not done anything to you. You just don't like me. And so therefore I'm not going to waste my time on you. Uh, I probably during that season didn't have the best thoughts about this person. Um, and I, I just, I, I wrote him off in terms of ministry and, uh, and not to, not to get too heavy, but he ended up passing away a couple of years back and there was no resolution there. And it was just an issue of, I just said, I will not minister to you anymore. Um, you know, and not to, not to be crass when I say this or, you know, the pun, but you're dead to me, you know, like I just, I just said no. And as a leader, as a good church leader, we don't have that option. Um, you know, we, we have to do everything we can to resolve and to bring people along. And if they just are unwilling, then at that point, then we say, well, then I've done what I can. And I can honestly say, no, I didn't do what I could. I just, uh, and, and some of you will be listening and feel sensitive and be like, oh, he confessed. So therefore he should be nice on him. No, it was the wrong thing to do. Sure. And, uh, and it wasn't, you know, no, no matter what the hurt is, you still have to act like a Christian no matter what. And, uh, and so that was, a. Uh, a big, a big deal for me. Um, I'm glad yes. I got that off my chest. So thank you for also making me feel bad about um, showing up late too. <laughs> I wasn't even. Hey, so we're closing by like listing some good examples, some some things we've seen in the church, right? Yep. All right. So, I, and since we're talking about leadership, I just want to I'll I'll make mention. I didn't mention the bad names. I'll make mention of a good name. Um, again, I, I like this guy. I like what he does. I like what he stands for. I like how he pastors his church. Uh, I just uh, I'll honor Andy Stanley here for a second. Um, because here's a guy who pastors a humongous church, but I've, I've never seen him with the entourage level. Uh, you know, here, here's also a guy who's, he, he, uh, gets criticized a lot, uh, it, um, because he says some seemingly outlandish things. Sometimes he doesn't mince his words or pull his punches, but then he stands behind what he says and he debates and talks with his critics, even online. Um, when, when he uses terminology like detaching from the Old Testament and different things, and you, you all of a sudden go, wait a minute, what did he just say? But then he'll actually engage with people and have a loving conversation. And so I'm just I'm thankful for him and when he does that. But we've been to his church specifically for a conference, and it's very obvious uh, with my list. Like I'm just going to kind of talk about it, why he is not on my list. He hires the smartest people he can find, yeah. and he releases them. Uh, in fact, I'm sure there are people in that church who are better leaders than he, better speakers than he is he hires the best that he can find um and he he leads his entire church staff uh, even with 
uh, I, I was impressed with this kind of like personality understanding and he even did it with the entire church. Like, so when you want to talk about toxic conversations and not allowing them to fester and to stew and a ferment, like he just addresses them. And then, like, you may be an A or B or C or D person, whatever that personality thing is, but he just goes for it. And, and I know you and I have had the conversation of being at the drive conference a couple of years back and actually seeing him on the front row worshiping with his yeah. wife yeah. and actually seeing him walking in and people stop him to shake his hand or to have a conversation. He would actually, actually stop and converse with them. Um, and I think that was just, uh, first, first, I didn't expect that from him, I, not judging him prematurely, but I, I've, I, I don't know how he does it. And yeah. I'm, I'm thankful that he at least gave me that example. Uh, not that I'll ever be in his shoes or in that level ever, but uh, I was good to see from him. Yeah. And I mean, we were at that conference and I remember exactly what you're talking about. He walked, he actually walked past us and a guy behind us asked for a selfie, mm. you know, if he could get it. And what I, what I really appreciate was that he was like, I, I have something to do right now. It's getting ready to go preach. I'm getting ready to go preach, <laughs> you know, and, and I have something to do. And so he had, he went and finished what his task was. You yeah. know, he was, he was committed to that. And then what was amazing about five, 10 minutes later, he came back looking for the guy that he had said, and I'm going, man, there were like a thousand people here. And you went looking for the one guy you said, okay, yeah. I'll take, I'll, I'll, I'll meet you. And, uh, and so that, that was, that was great. What's interesting is in preparation for this segment, I just looked up, um, great Christian leaders. And so I only found like, it only went back. There was a list from like 2015, 2016 from like Newsmax and some other joint called Deseret.com. I think it's like out in Utah. Uh, some like religious news and, and so like a bunch of Mormons, yeah. but it was, it was like a list of the top 100 religious leaders in the United States. I that, don't think Andy Stanley was on that list. Yeah. I was one Oh one actually. So yeah. that's why you didn't see me on that. list. Right. Yeah. And so Andy Stanley would have actually been beneath you. So that was, <laughs> that was great. Um, no, but it was like the top 100 Christian leaders in America, according yeah. to 2015 current, or 2015 okay. current current yeah current and i mean like half of them were political like uh, paul sure. ryan i think was on there which is you know regardless of politics it was like why is this dude rocking the top 20 like so it I wasn't don't, pastors then it was people who it was claimed to be christians right. who were Got it. But, but i mean and it had falwell on there it had you know billy or not billy graham franklin graham you know at the top like all of these guys and honestly, dudes, if you were to go and look at this list, I just skimmed it and I went down and go, not one of these people would I select to be my pastor, like mm-hmm. at all. And, and because that, that, that's not, and so here's what I want to say. I, you know, Tim went real specific. I want to affirm Andy Stanley, affirm guys like Matt Chandler and, and, and all that, that, that we love that we really see doing really good things. Sure. Um, but I actually want to be vague and say a great Christian leader, no matter who you are listening is probably your local pastor yeah. that most local pastors are not um, are not wolves in sheep's clothing. Some of them mm-hmm. might be, and you, know, you got to be watching out for that. But a lot of them, uh, they're not out to get rich. Mm-hmm. I know a number of church planters who have just sacrificed what they have to mm-hmm. just work with 10 people, to sure. just shepherd them and try to bring them along in a knowledge of Christ. They're dying on the hill. They are dying on the hill. They're not getting rich. They're always on call. They are pastors are rarely told when they're doing well, sure. um, and they are committed to the mission. And, and in 2020, they're constantly compared to the Andy Stanleys of the world. Right. I mean, there, here's, here are men in the pulpit who will love you mm-hmm. from cradle to casket and will be faithful to the word and faithful to you and faithful to the church, but they don't have the communication skills in 2020 of everybody you see on the internet, everybody yeah. you see on a podcast, everybody, you know, all these different things. And so they're constantly, we are constantly compared to those gentlemen unfairly. Yeah. And quite honestly... Um, the, the, the men who are preaching to 25, you know, or, or you know, whatever it is, 
um, just faithful servants of the Lord. So they're I, in the I, trenches. I, yeah. I mean, and the fact of the matter is we love uh, the guys that we've talked about, but the fact of the matter is, is that when you're in the hospital, Andy Stanley's not calling you. Yeah, good word. Um, and so, you know, those guys are great to listen to. They're great teachers. They have a ton of wisdom and you should listen to many voices that mm. will challenge you, that will step on your toes. Uh, but if you have a pastor who is being obedient to the call of God and he's not going to be perfect, he may not be the best fit for you and, and understand that, but they're doing their best to be obedient yeah. and do what you can to honor them. Uh, guys, thank you for hanging in on our second episode of Good Christian People. Somehow, we actually, I think, went longer than the last time, and we <laughs> were going to try to cut out 20 minutes. So, Josie, you've got a great uh, job ahead of you trying to figure out how to edit all of this down into something that makes some kind of sense. But, Tim, you got anything to say before we close? No, good, we're good, man. Guys, thank you so much for tuning in to our second episode of Good Christian People, the podcast. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter at GCP Pod, and you can email us whenever you like, goodchristianpod at gmail.com. We would love to hear from you. If there's topics that you want us to talk about and you want to give us some feedback on the show, we would love it. Please subscribe and wherever you listen to podcasts, and we are so grateful for you. Can't wait to the next episode, and until then, be, be good. good. Christian People podcast. Today's episode is recorded on August 6th, 2020 by Jeff Higgins and Tim Byer, two pastors living in beautiful Glen Burnie, Maryland. If you'd like to find more of our content, please visit us online at goodchristianpod.com or follow us at, at @gcppod. Just to have our. <laughs> it's hot in here, man.